Welcome back, everyone. This is Erica Denham on Payments Insights with Bank of America. We have an interesting episode lined up for you today. We're going to pick the brains of two of our merchant services senior leaders. We're going to discuss what's top of mind for them as they think about payment technology, consumer behavior, and helping merchants plan for the future. I'm pleased to introduce our first guest, Simon Nourish, Head of Strategy and Commercialization for Merchant Services here at Bank of America. We're excited to have you here, Simon. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Pleased to be here. Our second guest is Wally Malinarski, our Head of Merchant Services Product, who has unique insight into the technology merchants need to keep an eye on. Welcome, Wally. Thank you, Erica. Okay, so we'll jump right into it. And Simon, we're going to kick off with you and just want to talk about what trends you have noticed in the market this year. Thanks, Erica. Well, as always, the payment space is one ripe with new technologies and innovations. And we always hear a lot about crypto and blockchain, but the reality is we're still seeing crypto primarily as an investment vehicle and not really a vehicle with which to efficiently transact in the payment space. Blockchain, the technology behind many of the crypto solutions is definitely promising as an emerging technology. And we can start to see solutions out there being built, leveraging that, but yet nothing that has achieved true commercial prominence. When we look at what really is driving a lot of the innovation in this space, what we're seeing is a trend consistent with the past few years. Merchants are focused on how they deliver more efficient and secure payment acceptance to their customers and really getting the friction of the payment experience out of the transaction. All right. Thank you, Simon. So Wally, would you like to give us your view on the trends you've noticed this year? Yeah. Simon mentioned a little bit about the customer experience here. We're about 25 years-ish in our e-commerce journey as individuals and purchasing and online experiences. And there's still a lot to be done out here on some trends that have been out there for over two decades. When we look at this, we have just that overall experience and shopping cart abandonment That remains a top concern for our customers that are out there in the market. And how do they convert sales in any channel? They do not want to lose the hard-earned marketing dollars or other revenue spent or expense spent to get customers to that buying point and then have them fall out due to a poor payment experience. So there's still a focus on things like one-click checkout, card on file, and keeping that customer engaged in their payment experience so they can close and activate their purchasing experience much faster. Other trends we've seen at the POS and in shopping, not just on e-commerce, we've seen contactless, which has led to a faster checkout experience online too for things like Apple Pay on web or Android Pay on web. We've seen quite a few APMs come in, as well as trends that are shifting towards an omni-channel experience where you may buy online and then pick up and store at a later time or convert that sale otherwise. There have been other trends like buy now, pay later to help convert sales online that have also grown. But ultimately, these experiences are things that are being built upon that have been out there historically. Buy now, pay later, for instance, is a new way on a digital layaway or purchase over time experience that we've seen in the physical channel now converting to online. Okay, Simon, are there brands that are really on the forefront of what we just talked about that you'd like to give an example of? Yeah, for sure. More and more, we're seeing a desire in the largest consumer brands to control the customer experience and really dictate and make that a unique experience for their customers that ensures not just the benefits of increased average ticket size, reduced cart abandonment, 
but really ensure that those services can be offered and complementary to their services and provide a sticky customer experience that further ensures customer loyalty and repeat business within that consumer's service offerings. Okay. So Simon, I would like to talk about what you think is important for merchants to really know and understand about these trends that we've just spoke about. Yeah, it's a gamma. A lot of merchants are dealing with spend or investment cycles that run pretty far out to the horizon and trying to work out where to be for 18 months time, 12 months time is a challenge and no one has the perfect crystal ball to look at and determine what that landscape will look like in that time frame. So what we're seeing is often a lot of research and advice to try and provide as much optionality, not just for the merchants in terms of where they choose to invest, but optionality that they can then deploy to their customers. We've all heard merchants say that it's important that the customer can choose how they want to pay for goods or services, but that extrapolates into you know, future innovative payment methods that may not even be something that we're familiar with in today's landscape. All right. Thanks, Simon. So Wally, especially from a product perspective, do you want to just give us some views on what you're hearing from merchants? Simon has touched a lot on the points of merchants and their advancements for their checkout experiences, growth of revenue, expense that they have tied up in growing their overall business. And that's very well understood because merchants need to grow their business just like us or any other company that's out there. So that's where their focus is. Higher conversions for simpler checkout have dominated a lot of the investments over the years. With that said, another major event has occurred over the last 20 to 25 years of e-commerce, and that has been security breaches and compromise to our customers. That started in the early days of the 2000s, simple solutions to prevent fraud, more so on people taking cards and running them online, were things like the card verification code or the card verification value. Uh, these are terms we know now as CVV or CVC, the numbers in the front or the back of your card, depending on what kind of brand you have. Those step change innovations helped solve some problems about having the physical card, but as we know today, we're not enough to really advance the solution. Later in the early 2000s, we saw tokenization come out, and this was really built on acquired tokenization, so to remove that card value from the merchant system so it could not be compromised. And this helped merchants prevent themselves from being breach points. The value of that didn't really come into play until the mid-2010s, 2015 or so, when we started to see these massive breaches come out, whether it was Target or Home Depot, Marriott, Starwood, any other major brand that you've seen has probably had some sort of incident over the last decade that they've had to manage. That was a huge cost to them because as PCI was rolled out in the late 2000s to help solve this or put that onus on customers to manage their own security, their cost increased, and rapidly. Many merchants may be spending millions, if not tens of millions of dollars a year on annual PCI compliance. And tokenization was a way to help solve that for them or to remove themselves from scope. On this same journey of tokenization and security coming out, we saw other challenges come out. Cards were being stolen, they were being changed, they had expiration dates, they were expiring and becoming new card numbers. So the merchants were running into another challenge point in their checkout experience where they were asking them to change to a new card. A solution called Account Updater came out to help solve this as well. So now we have two things working together here, both security and customer conversion, as well as a massive rapid expense on the back office that wasn't really creating lift or revenue drivers for their customers. 
insert this new service that we're talking about and hearing a lot today is network tokens. Network tokens really combines the value of acquire tokens and account updater and de-risking and de-scoping a merchant's environment from PCI. It does create a challenge and a future challenge on solving customer tracking, as all tokens do, but there are innovations called payment account reference or payment account ID, PAR or PAID in short, that will help track customers and solve loyalty as well. So overall, network tokens have come out recently to really drive new value and new innovations to combine these challenges that merchants have had. Thanks, Wally. We've really come a long way when it comes to tokens and security for both merchants as well as the end customer. Simon, I'm going to hand over to you. Maybe you could talk a little bit just about, as Wally started to touch on network tokens and how those are implemented, what's the benefit to our merchant and the end consumer for network tokens? As Wally laid out, network tokens were in many ways a response to solving some of the shortcomings of the acquirer tokens that were first brought in to solve some of these direct challenges. There's a number of advantages to network tokens for larger merchants that are considering multi-acquiring strategies, enables portability of the tokens, which is complicated and can be expensive in an acquiring token model. The tokens themselves, whether they're acquirer or network tokens, but particularly network tokens, right, are really good for all of the parties involved in the transaction lifecycle. They're good for issuers, acquirers, the networks, and as you've heard from Wally, the benefit directly to the merchants themselves. To kind of draw on a couple of economic factors, tokens markedly reduce the likelihood of declines. This is especially important for the merchants we see with subscription models or bill pay clients that are paying on a regular basis where the impact of a declined payment can result in the loss of a repeat customer, that entire relationship. But equally to one-off sales, the equivalent paradigm there is cart abandonment, which has always been a challenge for e-commerce merchants and an area of focus for them. So not only can all tokens have a direct effect on the revenue opportunity for merchants, like adoption of them can also impact and reduce the cost of acceptance. And an example of this is Visa's incentive program, where token usage sees a 9 to 10 BIPs discount or non network token transactions. And that's representative of the overall fraud and loss risk that all of the counterparties see in that end-to-end -end transaction. And it recognizes that and serves to incent merchants for adoption. So Simon's made some great points here. Some other key statistics that we've seen across our issuing base are pretty dramatic and market moving for customers. As we've seen on our platform, we see 7% of total are not present transactions that result in a decline. That is a failed experience for a merchant and ultimately a driver for shopping cart abandonment. Using network tokens, we see that get to about a 2% decline rate. So that's a 5% lift by implementing tokens, which is a huge front end revenue solve for these merchants while they're implementing a security solution and also decreasing their costs in the back end. So it's a win-win for merchants. Overall, from June of 2021 to June of 2022, we've seen an increase in adoption of network tokens upwards of 93%. That now represents about 15% of all of our transactions on the issuing side of Bank of America for network tokenization. That's a big milestone, but still a long way to go overall. We get about 30% of the transactions on the market, so we know that the market overall has some adoption to go here. So it's key to point these out to our customers of the need and the importance 
that solves both the front-end conversion as well as their back-end security and lowering their costs of ownership of the total transaction. Simon, do you want to talk about what is the path to development for merchants and what they need to consider with the use of network tokens? Yeah, for sure. First thing to note is none of these are small things to implement. What I mean by that is they require careful planning, thought, and consideration as to how and when they're going to be implemented. We see many merchants choosing to implement these solutions strategically with other elements in their payments infrastructure. So rarely are we seeing this as just a single one item lift that is not connected to a number of other considerations in that investment lifecycle. One example Wally touched on, which is very important to almost all enterprise merchants out there is the subject of loyalty, whether that's recognizing a customer over many transactions, or whether that is in some way rewarding the loyalty of the customer and being able to identify those transactions and group and identify them to that customer. If you have a loyalty consideration, you have to consider how you're going to implement that as you make a switch, particularly to network tokens, to ensure you can continue to provide and support that customer experience. That's just one example of how this can be interconnected and why we see relatively long life cycles in how these things are designed and then brought to market within our merchant community. A couple other considerations to add to Simon's development and considerations that a merchant must take is really the type of tokenization that they implement. With network tokens, the concept actually comes from the network, but there are different ways to implement that. You can be a token service provider as an acquirer, and we can provide network tokens from an acquired domain. However, a merchant may also choose, if they're large enough, to become their own token domain, which means those tokens will be specific to that customer. So if we take customer A and they request to be a token domain, they will have tokens that only work at customer A and cannot be used at customer B, C, or D. However, if they use an acquirer's network tokens, that acquirer can use multiple network tokens across multiple customers and customers A, B, C, D, and E can all implement the same tokens from that acquirer. Those choices really determine how they implement it some of their cost and their total ownership of their customer base, as well as their exposure to breaches going forward and pure portability that they may have for their business in the future. Thanks. It's easy to see while this is potentially a considerable change and has a lot of complexity for our merchants, why it's so important. So I thank you both for laying that out so clearly. This has been a very informative and interesting topic. I thank you both Wally and Simon for the discussion today. I'm sure many of our listeners appreciated and learned from it as well. And thank you, everyone, for your time today. Take care. Bank of America and B of A Securities are the marketing names used by the Global Banking and Global Markets Divisions of Bank of America Corporation, lending other commercial banking activities and trading in certain financial instruments are performed globally by banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, including Bank of America, N.A., member FDIC. Trading in securities and financial instruments and strategic advisory and other investment banking activities are performed globally by investment banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation investment banking affiliates, including in the United States, B of A Securities, Inc., and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp., 
both of which are registered broker-dealers and members of SIPC and in other jurisdictions by locally registered entities. B of A Securities, Inc. and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp. are registered as Futures Commission Merchants with the CFTC and are members of the NFA. Investment products offered by investment banking affiliates are not FDIC insured, are not bank guaranteed, and may lose value. Copyright 2022 Bank of America Corporation. All rights reserved. All trademarks, service marks, and trade names referenced in this material are the property of and licensed by their respective owners.